This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler room. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is another spoiler room. It is another 25th anniversary special. It is at the end of the month, and we seem to be doing these regularly at the end of the month. So why not now? And last month, well, we had a little bit of a heavy episode for our special anniversary episode, so we decided to go a little bit lighter. So tonight, we're going to be talking about Men at Work and the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. And here tonight to help me with that is a group of fantastic people who want to talk about this. First off, he flies the friendly skies. It's Mr. Cole Meredith. Hello, Cole. How are you? Hello. How's it going, man? It's going very well. Glad you could join us as always. Great to have you in the spoiler room this fine evening. And right next to Cole, she thrives on misery. It is Dawn. Hello, Dawn. Hello, Mark. How are you today? I'm doing great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, of course, Mr. Booty Time himself, the BFD, Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. Oh! <laughs> Clint Eastwood. He fucked him. Anyway, yes, you're going to have a whole lot of vulgar language in here. If that hurts your ears, oh well. He is more lovely than Wayne Newton's hair. It is Gonzarific himself, Andrew Shearer. Hello, Andrew. Hey, man, what's he, what he said? You're an island of salvation in an ocean of diarrhea. Yes. <laughs> one, of, one of many lines that we hear. An ocean of diarrhea, dude. At some point, you'd have to, like, it would get in your mouth. That somehow you could, like, couldn't avoid it. You know? No, and then the smell alone, man. Yeah, that's what you messed up, too. God, I just thought of that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be. Pretty grody. <laughs> Next to Mr. Gonzarific, he loves his Stanley. It's Scott W. Davis. Hello, Scott. How are you, sir? Stanley's given me nothing but grief all my life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> yes, folks, prepare yourselves. Well, it's going to be longer, but it is the 10 seconds from the most embarrassing moment in your entire life, more like probably an hour and a half to two hours, where we're going to talk about two great comedies from 1990. First up on our list is going to be a film called Men at Work. Now, Andrew, why don't you sum up Men at Work for us? Yeah, dude, you ready, man? I'm ready. Give uh-huh. it to me. I'm just playing. I couldn't beatbox and say it because I have one mouth only. Drop the freestyle, Gonzo. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, uh, men at Work is about two garbage men who are brothers with uh, different last names. And uh, they find a uh, dead body. And um, they uncover a, a uh, some kind of political, not political plot, what would you call it? You know, just like a some corruption. And there you stuff. go. And, uh, you know, a lot of hilarity ensues, and Dean Cameron. <laughs> and it works. There you go. Uh, it, this is it, uh, Don and I were talking about this film uh, just before we started recording here, and it is not a deep film. Uh, this film has is, is got its... Uh, a theme that's similar that kind of ran through a lot of films, I think, at least I noticed, near the eight, late 80s, early 90s, the whole environmental impact thing. And that's the theme that's going on in here where we have the corporation, the corruption, if you will, dealing with p- 
polluting the environment, but who are our heroes? Who are our two brothers? Uh, well, they're, um, they're garbage men. So we have garbage men fighting uh, guys who are polluting the environment. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's irony in there somewhere. So let's get, as we always do, initial impressions. Let's go first with uh, Glenn. Men at work, sir. How about you? Initial feelings with men at work. Uh, what a waste of a bunch of semi-okay white boys. <laughs> um, I'm not a huge fan of this movie. I wasn't when I first saw it. I mm-hmm. wasn't when I rewatched it a couple of years ago. I wasn't when I watched it this afternoon. Um, I really don't like Charlie Sheen. I'm very... If, if Emilio Estevez was abducted by aliens and disappeared forever, I probably wouldn't even notice. Um, not that I dislike the man, it's just he's not on my radar. Um, the only the only thing I really liked about this movie at all, uh, the guy who plays Frank. Oh, you weren't going to say Keith David. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah, uh, that guy. That guy. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about... His name is okay in the movie. His name is Frank. Let's look at. Isn't it? Hand, I don't know. Not, is I, don't know. Frank, Hand, I can't remember. Handy, handy, IMDb. There is no one in this movie named I Frank. Just, Len. I just <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the, the black guy. Keith David. Keith David. Yeah. Lewis. Thank you. Lewis. 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 Yes. Lewis. Frank. Whatever. It's like. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Frank. I, my mind is <laughs> names aren't important. <laughs> like you know, Keith, David. <laughs> when I feel like talking, you know, I a strong be... guy name. There you go. Yes. There you go. But Keith David, you found Keith David at least entertaining in this. Yes, film. I like Keith David. And um, for the two leads, was it just because of the actors of who played them, or, or do you think it was part of the writing? Yes. <laughs> um, <Both>. Nice. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, like I said, I've never been a big fan of Charlie Sheen. Sure. Um, and just, yeah, just, and uh, it's just a lot of sure. general, really, why would you do that? That doesn't, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're so incredibly stupid at times. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I don't like people who are who who just do the dumbest thing possible all the time, yet somehow still come out on top. Not a fuckers mm. fan, I gather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this one just wasn't wasn't wasn't. I didn't find it that funny, mm-hmm. except for, except for the yeah the the Keith David stuff is about the only funny stuff I got out of the entire movie. Okay, and uh, Don, what about you, Men at Work? Um, as you'd mentioned before when we talked about it, it's not a deep movie at all. As a matter of fact, um, it had been whew, 10 plus years since I'd seen the movie last and uh, until I revisited what the day before yesterday. Um, it was exactly as I remembered, not deep, kind of silly. Okay, a lot silly, but I noticed things little uh, homages that I almost impressed me. Um, (laughs) There's that whole, um, especially considering, you know, who wrote it and directed it. Mm -hmm. 
but there's it's got that whole rear window aspect going on in there. There is, there is that feel. There is that bit of feel. There's, of, there's that whole thing where Charlie Sheen's sitting there. Charlie Sheen's character is out his, looking out his window with the binoculars, just like Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window, checking out the neighbors, keeping tabs on all the neighbors. Um, I like that. Um, there's actually a number well, of, you know, there's actually like, a number of homages. There's a number of homages in here. There, there really are. But that's the one that's uh, stuck out at me as being the most. Um, my favorite. Let's let's go with that. That was my favorite bit. <laughs> did did you find it at least uh, entertaining in, in spots, if nothing else? Oh gosh, yeah. It was it was hugely entertaining. I mean, you grab a couple of beers, you sit down, you watch the movie, you're giggling your head off. As long as you're not trying to, you know, as long as you're not expecting anything resembling intelligent. <laughs> As long as you're not looking for anything that might be realistically feasible, uh, and, and of course, and of course, uh, as Glenn said, uh, Keith David is awesome. Yes, Keith. Okay, well, he didn't use the word awesome, but I'm totally using the word awesome. Totally. Totally word awesome. <laughs> yes, Keith David. Totally he, awesome, dude. For Sorry. sure. <laughs> and then, uh, well, Keith David's as awesome as pretty much anything he does. Uh, so, Cole, how about you, Men at Work? Oh, man, I love this movie. This mm -hmm. is a great movie. I mean, if you watch enough movies, you develop acquired tastes for people that, you know, you just, it's like coffee. If you drink enough coffee, some people may not be able to tell the difference, but, you know, you're going to know your flavor profiles. And mm -hmm. over the years, Ilio Estevez, as a writer and director, is somebody that I've really genuinely loved. I loved That Was Then, This Is Now. I feel like that's kind of a forgotten gem of that whole era of teen movies. That's one of the most darkest, certainly one of the darkest and most uncompromising of any of the movies that came out of that era. I love wisdom. I love wisdom. I think, you know, the, wisdom is the definition of overrated. Talk about a hero that you can get behind, somebody fighting for a small farm. Then again, I live in a farming community, so I understand the struggle. Uh, but talk about a hero that I, I can get behind, you know, uh, destroying files to save small farmers is awesome mm -hmm. to me. And I, I like everything he's done. I loved Rated X. I don't understand yes. why anybody bashed that movie. I loved uh, the, the Vietnam one, you know, not the best Vietnam movie ever made, but certainly was well acted and professionally made. I mean, the guy puts together a good movie. He is brilliant as Billy the Kid. Anybody who knows anything about Billy the Kid at all, other than what, you know, just reading a summary of his life, that is as close as you're going to get. In fact, if you took his performance and put it in a less poppy film, uh, it, it, the qualities that he's bringing to it might stand out more. As far as this movie goes, it's not deep, but I don't think it was meant to be. Naked Gun isn't deep either. It's still a great film, and I think both the movies we're reviewing tonight have a lot more in common with Naked Gun than the action movies. They're, they're spoofing. And additionally, you know, this, while not deep, it did have something in mind. All of the, the posters and, and ads for it, whenever possible, were printed on recycled paper, which is a huge thing for them. I mean, the, the, the environmental subtext is not an accident. I mean, that's there intentionally. Sure. And that opening shots of the barrels leaking, I mean, that's a reality. And, and we're finally seeing the reality of that nowadays where you dive into a lake and, you know, it's like uh, 
what's the found footage movie that that the guy did recently with the parasites that eat their way out of your body? Um, mm-hmm. Big big director. It was called The Bay. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's happening. I mean, that's literally happening. If you, you know, they're telling you, don't swim in lakes. I mean, you know, it's at your own risk. So I, I think uh, all that, all that crap aside, I, the comedy for me works. I mean, this is obviously everything in the kitchen sink uh, thrown in. I mean, as Don said, he's he's homaging just about everything. Uh, his own movie Stakeout, for sure, with the, the dueling, you know, the sort of dueling pranks that go back and forth. Weekend at Bernie's, for sure. Airplane, mm-hmm. for sure. I, I feel like he, the rhythm of this dialogue, to me, is very airplane-esque. And, you know, them being brothers, I'm sure they had the time to rehearse this shit to death. <laughs> and it shows. My only feeling is it's a little fatty, meaning, like Wisdom. Uh, I, like 10 minutes could have come out. I see like entire scenes that could just come out. And if this movie smoked a little faster, I mean, this needs the pace that Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back had. It needs to get get the get its best jokes out there and lose the rest. And it, it is a little fatty, but man, for a big dumb goofy comedy made in my, 1990. Shit, this is great, and in a different world than a perfect world, Keith David would have won Best Supporting Actor. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is a freaking hilarious well, performance, man. I, I love this movie. I, I love just about everything Emilio does. I mean, even Maximum Overdrive. I, lo- I love his movies. You know, uh, <laughs> even when he's not directing, I think he's got a real screen presence. Um, Charlie Sheen's antics, I don't think... Uh, anybody can apologize for, but that's neither here nor nor there. Um, I do also want to mention Stuart Copeland's score mm-hmm. and the reggae soundtrack mm-hmm. in general is key, key to this movie. I mean, really is. I wish Stuart Copeland had released this as a soundtrack. He doesn't, for whatever reason, you can't find many Stuart Copeland soundtracks. I think they just recently put out Wall Street, actually, uh, paired with something else that he'd done. But this is an awesome, awesome score. It's, the the music in this movie is just lavish to listen to. Um, I dig the film. I'm a fan. Well, it's funny you mentioned the music because uh, it, it's got it just like some other '90s movies that we've covered. This is getting to the '90s where suddenly soundtrack, and I think I still think Batman Prince's album going to the top had some influence. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was before kind of big to have your song in the soundtrack, but a lot of times it was just like whoever they could get. But as we moved into the 90s, soundtracks played a little a bigger part in films, as we'll see with the other one as well, Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Uh, yeah. you know, soundtracks suddenly, it was important, and they realized this is something that we could market and sell if we get the right artists on it. And I remember Men at Work was actually a really popular soundtrack, the the uh, uh, the uh, you know the vocal soundtrack was big for a long time, and it's a decent soundtrack. Yeah, it was like it was kind of was kind of like you know when uh, you know in the '80s the soundtracks got big for musically themed films, like say like right. Footloose and Flashdance mm-hmm. and stuff. But in the '90s, they said, "Oh hell, anything." <laughs> you know? Yeah, just about anything they market and put vocal. <laughs> tracks on uh i don't know if anyone caught it and uh I, since you mentioned it cola i'll bring it up now uh you mentioned the soundtrack and things that what dawn mentioned uh that you notice now that i didn't notice when i was 15 when i first watched it there's a scene 
where he is going to shoot the uh, the uh, p politician in the butt. And just as he takes aim, and I can't believe, and the only reason I caught it is because I listened to the track earlier in the day. He actually works in a theme from Good and the Bad and the Ugly in the music, <laughs> but it's buried so much that if you aren't paying attention, you don't catch it. But I caught it this time, listening to it on my headphones. He actually has just a brief phrase from the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly score underneath the reggae beat that he's got playing, just as he's taking aim to shoot. And I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> and I started paying attention more of this movie, and there's a lot of things you kind of notice about it. Uh, how about you, uh, Mr. Gonzarific? Andrew, your feelings with Men at Work? Oh, I, I um... You know, I, I came into it a little bit later. Like, for some reason, uh, I guess the neighborhood that I lived in when I was a kid and the schools I went to, um, around this time, a hip-hop culture was, like, kind of the dominant thing. So we were, like, House Party was a huge movie for us, uh, and Living in Color was a huge TV show. And the theaters just didn't really get, like, a lot of, like, what we call white comedies, I guess. So it just kind of kind of passed me by. And then later when I um, I joined a, my first punk band, um, punks love the movie Repo Man. For obvious reasons, oh, yeah. oh yeah, familiar Great with movie. And Emilio Estevez, as by proxy, is some kind of a hero to these uh, to these guys. And so, Men at Work was played a lot. And when I met the girl who would later become my my wife, she watched Men at Work a lot. So, <laughs> as a result, I have seen Men at Work a few times. And uh, I gotta say, man, the the it just seems like a project that two brothers would write for each other. If you have a little brother or, or an older brother or anything, it's something very sibling about the movie, you know. And uh, you know, of course, rated X later they blow blow each other away or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, that's kind of funny too. Watch that right after this. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 goofy, and um, my wife's a big fan of uh, Ski School. So of course, Dean Cameron, also probably better known for Summer School, he's a big guy in here. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a it's Keith David's movie for me, and. And when he shows up, just everything he says, like, I, it would be cool if somebody did, like, you know, just, like, an inverted version of this movie to where it starts off with him and he hooks up with these guys, you know. Um, because, like, that scene where he's talking about mess with another man's fries, I don't know how many McDonald's I've been in. Punks that say that shit. I that line. In, in vans, at anywhere fries are happening. We used to go and get... Uh, we'd buy a lot of fries and just dump them on a tray and call it community fries and we'd all just eat that. Uh, sometimes we'd only be able to afford to eat ketchup packets, but like, yeah, Keith David's lines, shit. So I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I like it a lot. It wasn't one of the ones I, I watched a lot as a kid. Like I said, like if we were talking house party, then we could throw down, but like, yeah, I, I do like it. It's nice and goofy and I think Emilio Estevez is a good writer, good director. Uh, Cole mentioned The Way. I really like that movie. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely um, a, a, you know, upon like you know reflection, I would say uh, it, it is one one of the more underrated. I consider it an '80s movie more than a '90s movie, but definitely. It is it is written more of an '80s comedy, uh, that goofball kind of comedy where there's very you know suspension of disbeliefs kind of out the window. And you don't think too hard about the consequences of the actions of everybody involved. You just kind of let the events play out and see how crazy or zany things are going to get. Speaking of zany, Mr. Scott Davis, how, how do you feel about the network? 
needs to be more zany, actually. Um, I'm actually kind of more along the lines of where Glenn is with this movie. Mm-hmm. I was watching this again. I think it's the first time I've seen it since it hit VHS, honestly. And uh, I remember back then I liked it quite a bit. I watched it now, and I was like, you know, I get what it is. And Andrew is absolutely right. Very sibling-esque movie. It totally feels like, you know, Amelia was writing this so him and Charlie could do this movie together. And they had this good camaraderie going. But honestly... I kind of wanted more from it. Uh, mm-hmm. As wacky as it gets, I liked the idea of these garbage men stumbling upon this, you know, environmental cover-up, and the guys kind of fancy on the girl who's played by Leslie Hope and stuff. And you know, they get the pizza guy. Like, there's a lot of stuff happening in here. So I'm saying, so I kept thinking to myself, why don't I feel kind of more energy? from this, you know? I, I felt like it needed a bit more oomph, and I'm actually, uh, much as I respect my good buddy Cole here, I'm going to gonna go in the opposite direction and say, like, I could actually stand for the movie to be a little longer if they, in addition to adding a bit to it, they also kind of increased the energy level. Uh, having said, because I mean, I think there's a bunch of really talented people in this movie. Emilio Estevez, I think, is a great actor. I think he's a great director. Uh, and a movie a couple of people have mentioned that they that they do together is Rated X, where they play uh, the Mitchell brothers, the people yeah. who made Beyond, Behind the Green Door, Resurrection of Eve, all those movies, and became like these very early porn kings. And then, you know, this all ended in, like, one of the most shocking tragedies uh, ever. It's it's an amazing story, and Emilio directs the shit out of that movie. And, you know, it's it's almost scary because you see Ch- uh, Charlie Sheen is the one who becomes unhinged on drugs and everything. It's, you know, almost like a kind of uh, warning of things that would to happen to him down the road, unfortunately. It's a really good movie. Yeah, uh, Wisdom's a really good movie too. A lot of his movies are really good. I like his directing style a lot, and I kind of wanted a little bit more in this film, and I just didn't get it. You know, Dean Cameron's great. You mentioned Summer School. You mentioned Sea School. I even like him in uh, the horror film Bad Dreams. I thought he was really good. Oh yeah, oh, Bad Dreams is fantastic. Yeah, I love that movie. I remember Sleep with Me, the one where he's in the wheelchair. I think. Oh, Sleep oh, with Me is right. a really good movie. Yeah, Sleep, Sleep with Me is really good. fantastic too. You know, and you got you got John Getz, the the great you know uh, asshole from uh, the, fly. the fly, and Curly Sue, and of course he was like also awesome and blood simple and stuff. I I wanted more from this. Having said that, uh, this movie is owned by Keith David. You know, <laughs> I mean, if Keith David wasn't, I don't hate this movie. I'm just a little underwhelmed by it. Really, I'm just like like, oh, that's too bad. Uh, it would be a it would actually be a bad movie without Keith David. Keith David just ratchets everything up. Everybody should have looked at his energy and what he brought to that and said like, "Oh shit, we need to match that." And they should have like gone there. <laughs> because uh this is just I mean, it's one of Keith David's like great roles and he totally owns it. I mean, he's got so many quotable lines in it and he just rules this movie. Uh I'm the movie's Honestly, not that much worth remembering. It's 25 year anniversary, but it's uh, 
but it's I mean it's okay. Well, I wanted I wanted to go a little lighter and something to match with adventures of I'm not criticizing. I'm not criticizing. I'm just no, saying no. like when I saw the movie, I was kind of underwhelmed by it. But you know, it's got a lot of potential, and I really like Keith David, so I'll what, say that about it. You know, it, what I think of of this film is. Both Sheen and Estevez had hit it pretty big. They were pretty big on uh, as far as built up their careers or whatnot. This felt like a pet project of theirs that they just went ahead and made yeah. and didn't really give a crap what anyone else thought, really. This just felt like uh, – it felt like if they – it's like someone gave them a huge bout. You know, they were two kids with the video camera just making a movie they wanted to make, and someone just happened to give them enough budget, and they were able to get, you know, all these big names, these people that they knew. Because, I mean, Charlie Sheen, he worked with Keith David in, what, Platoon? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, so he pulls it, and he, they were playing in Vietnam, and here Keith David's played in a Vietnam vet. <laughs> you, you know, there's that stuff scene like that. With the cops is so good, dude. When he's got the gun out and he does that monologue, you know. Yes. That's that's one of my favorite. And, and then later, uh, right, Emilio kind of does his. Tries his, to do it too, but he he, version, you know? <laughs> he fucks it all up. He's, yeah. he's a poor little white boy for it. Human love <laughs> means very little to me at this point. In time. <laughs> I it, it's funny because this film, I think, you know, it it wasn't. Over, I don't think it was that well received, but it was on cable constantly. I watched it constantly when I was a younger because it was cable fodder to be sure. It was on quite a bit, and I I enjoyed it for its zaniness. For it, you know, you just don't think about it too much. And I loved Keith David at the time, so for me, uh, you know, and Dean Cameron in there, I love Summer School. So having him in here, you know, this had a whole bunch of people I really liked when I watched it when I was younger, and I think that was my enjoyment of it. And, you know, what I saw with the, the 25th anniversary coming up for it here, I just, I was like, yeah, I really want to talk about it because for me, I, I really enjoy this. It, it's funny, though, because it didn't last, I don't think, in the theaters that long. It was cable fodder. But as Andrew, I think it was Andrew said about the fries, was that you or, or Cole? Uh, no, mentioned the, Andrew, I've, heard that, I've heard that line of freaking This line... The, there are lines of dialogue in this film that are not just the Fry one that are quoted to this day, though. Oh, yeah, there are people who would consider this a classic, for sure. You know, I mean, this movie does have a following. I mean, you've got you, you've got the golf clap, golf clap, golf clap. You know, I mean, you know, that, I remember the first time I saw that, you know, you had that in there. Um yeah, these guys, they just seemed like they were having fun with this film, and it was like they came up with all these different scenes they just wanted to do. Uh, now, uh, they've got an interesting cast of characters around them. I mean, they're playing brothers, so that's pretty easy for them. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Keith David. I want to talk about my two favorite characters in this film next to Keith David, because Keith David, obviously, he does steal the show. I like the hitmen in this. <laughs> Don, what did you think of the two hitmen in this film? <laughs> I mean, those characters, I mean, for hitmen, uh, I thought they were some of the more surprising, funnier moments for them. Uh, they, them. they really did. Um, I liked... One of my favorite scenes was the whole taser 
Oh God, that, that, it's just you know you know shit about absolutely nothing. I love exactly. That. Exactly. I love that whole taser scene. I mean, seriously, they're trying to get the the tape. They have the people they need to have, and one of them tasers the other. It, it just because he gets pissed off. It's yeah. I love that whole. I love that whole sequence, and it sums up their entire it, their aptitude. It sums yeah. up their aptitude. They're so busy with the in-bickering that they are completely useless to actually get the job done. Let's face it. Usually when you get the hitmen, they work together well, or at least you know they have a mutual respect for each other. I, this was one of the first pair of hitmen that I saw in a while that... They don't have any respect for the other at all. Am I wrong, Andrew? Dude, I'm just remembering stuff from it, man. The radio and the change. Don't, the end they that, switching yeah, each other's yeah, radios? Yeah, radio they, stations? When, right when he, like. <laughs> was one of my favorite edits, man. It was like right when, right when they're about to cut the scene, he just pull, starts pulling on his head and he says his name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And that's the cut when he says his name. He's driving, and the motherfucker's pulling on his head. <laughs> and we, I think we broke Andrew. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've seen it. I've seen it a lot, but it's like you know, there's shit in it that. What does he say? It's like, listen to me, you Italian son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me I don't know shit, and I'll let you kill me. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of this shit is just, I don't know, it's part of my, yeah, like 20 years of it. Well, what's funny with it, too, is the two hitmen felt a little bit like Penn and Teller in some ways of yeah. the hitmen, as far as, you know, how they handled each other and that. Um, yeah, I got a kick out of the hitmen. Uh, now, Glenn, I, I know you didn't care for the film too much, but did you notice how anybody, that any characters that came up they were in pairs. I, I thought that was an interesting thing. I don't know if I, I just was reading into it or if it was actually intentional, but the brothers are a pair, but just about every group of characters they meet into are pairs, uh, you know, you know, different pairings. Did you notice that at all? Not really. I mean, the pizza guy's not a pair. Louis's not a well, pair. No. The girl's mm -hmm. not a pair. So I didn't pick up on that. I, I think that but talking about the hitmen... I think this is the problem, probably why I don't like the movie that much, is the fact that you have really good support cast mm -hmm. doing so funny stuff and really boring lead cast. So you, you enjoyed the Hitman more than... Oh, yeah, uh, sure. I, yeah. I, just about everyone other than uh, Emilio and Charlie Sheen are are fun, at mm -hmm. least to a degree. They just... I just I feel if you have someone else in their roles and a little better, a little bit better dialogue for them, but someone else in their roles, you have a much better movie. Dude, no, I mean, Glenn, I can see where Glenn's coming from, dude. Sure. You know, like I, I when when I when I would watch this thing, I'm like, man, I bet you anything, this movie, they got the, Miller Esvez got this idea for this movie because he was like, hey, man, you know what? I want to make a movie where a car, your name is Carl. Okay, like I really <laughs> think that's how it happened. <laughs> 
because he always time he's like Carl, you know what I mean? He loves calling his fucking brother Carl. You can tell, you know. Yeah, that almost seemed like an inside joke between the brothers, like yeah. real brothers. It felt like that. A lot of it felt like that. I don't blame him for doing it. Fuck me, my brother would have done it for sure. I mean, <laughs> movies we made weren't this good, so. <laughs> Scott, what about you with the the hitmen or uh, noticing how every every person, at least who they find conflict, they're in pairs? Uh, uh, I can see. I'm. I mean, Glenn's right. It's not always in pairs, but I see from different aspects. You have the heroes that are in pairs, then you have the uh, the you know bad guy thugs that are in pairs, and then you have the authority figures, which are the cops that are in pairs. So I can see like on, like, each side has a pair to represent. But then they've got all these other people as well. Uh, so I think you're both kind of on there. Um, the Hitman, yeah, they're decent characters. Again, I wanted more. Uh, my actual favorite uh, probably was actually after the taser scene. It was when the guy woke up. Oh. <laughs> and he says, what happened? He says, you gr- it was something. You were struck by lightning. Yes! Really? <laughs> well, yeah, it was amazing. You know, I, I liked that. I mean, freak, freak Storm, man. Freak I Storm! Like, I, like, I, like, I liked that. I thought, okay, that's that's a funny exchange because it's so like laid back and stuff. And the guy doesn't even seem to care that he screwed up because, let's face it, these are two amazingly inept hitmen. Yeah. <laughs> um... And uh, you know, which is some, which is saying something when you consider that John Getz apparently leads, has a, at least an environmental com- company where basically every single one of his employees is packing heat and ready to kill people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, as much as I hate companies like NSP, Dow Chemical, I don't think they did that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I mean, I like so I like little bits of it, but. Again, I just there there are parts where I really saw the promise of it and stuff like that. That'll be a recurring theme tonight for me, incidentally. <laughs> you saw the, the promise of something. Okay. And Cole, what about you and our, our inept hitmen? Oh, I love them. I love them. I I noticed the the pairs too. Actually, you know, there's mm-hmm. uh what four pairs mm-hmm. in the in this movie, and um. They're all different. In fact, the, the dueling garbage men, they're the, the sort of villainous garbage men. Uh, one of them, uh, the gentleman with the dreadlocks, I don't have the actor's name in my notes, but he was actually the first young gun killed by Emilio, who just blows his head off, um, which is accurate to history. They didn't know whether or not he was a spy. They just thought he might be, so they blew his head off. But I recognize that actor from that. I thought he was great in that. He's great as kind of the sleazy guy, always kind of like digging at his dreads. Um, which is accurate, you know. I, I, many of my friends have dreadlocks, and they're always uh, di- uh, sort of playing with them. Um, and I like the sort of Robert Downey Jr. lookalike hitman yeah. guy. <laughs> uh, I, I thought that was great. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it, he looks an awful lot like Downey with with glasses on. Um, and uh, yeah, I like all the pairs, man. I thought everybody was successful in this. I think Leslie Holt even. You know, she has to pull off this highly unlikely thing, which is that she would invite this guy into her house who <laughs> broke his ankle, and then you know start doing shots with him. But they played off; they played off great. Amelia's like Jesus. They're doing shots for Christ. <laughs> There's just something about the comedic timing and the dialogue in this that uh, I don't know anybody who's ever had a really bad night with with uh, your brother. Not you know, I don't have like actual blood brothers, but I have friends that I would consider brothers, and 
shit can spiral out of control, man. All it takes is the, the right set of circumstances and, and the wrong drink. And uh, you've got a night not too far from this. But, um, yeah, the hitmen were great. I mm-hmm. thought they were funny. They, I always laugh at them. The jokes in this still crack me up. I mean, it never gets told to me, personally. True. Yeah, it, same here. Uh, uh, after rewatching it, the jokes still came. I didn't think too much about the story because, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of this, it, it's really not deep. And if you start thinking about any type of real logistics in this film, uh, I, I think you're going to go, okay, this is just complete absurdity. But I think that's what it's supposed to be. Uh, again, I think this is just a, a group of brothers having fun. And Keith David, you, you can't say his enough he does get the best lines in this film and it also seems like Keith is out of all of them I almost feel like he's taking this role the most serious uh, uh, what would you say on, on that uh, Cole would you say Keith David I mean he's crazy and very funny but would you say out of all the performances he's really i think into it more than he, even everybody else in this film oh, oh yeah man keith david i mean there's a story and i'm sure you know anybody who owns the platoon dvd knows this he actually saved charlie sheen's life in a moment of crazy directing by uh my favorite oliver stone uh sheen was going out a helicopter when they just decided to you know uh improvise a a, a, a filming maneuver and Sheen was going down. He was going out of the helicopter, and Keith David grabbed him and saved his life. I think a lot of this is uh, Keith David spoofing Platoon a little bit. I mean, not, maybe not directly, but certainly that was a hard shoot, man. That yeah. shoot, with what those gentlemen went through, uh, to this day, it's one of the only uh, special editions where Johnny Depp shows up to talk about the filming. I mean, it was a very profound, poignant, painful experience. And, uh, you know, and Emilio, uh, interesting, was originally in line for that lead role, but something didn't work out with the timing, so they went with with Sheen, you know. Um, So there's a weird connection. There's a weird platoon connection to this movie, which uh, is not accidental. Uh, Boy, Keith David, yeah, he was taking this seriously, and that's why, as Glenn said, he's the most uh, successful, maybe. I mean, I love everybody in the film. I, I love this film, but... Keith David is damned funny and damn spooky. And uh, as I've mentioned on, sh- on, a sh- on one of our shows before, I worked with a vet for over a year, maybe about two mm-hmm. years. He was the night cleaner. And, uh, man, this is not far off. You know, the best <laughs> comedy is, is uh, grounded in reality. Sure. Uh, yeah, I love him. I mean, I love him. He cracks me up. And you know what? I... I uh, you know, uh, yeah, I could go on. You know, I, I, yeah. I, you know, can't support necessarily tying two law enforcement officials to a merry-go-round, but damn, that's funny. <laughs> which, God, which, damn, that's so funny. Which had uh, music when he did it from another classic film in there, uh, from A Clockwork Orange. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, the same music uh, played during Clockwork Orange when he ties up the cops. Uh, Don, how about you? Would you say Keith David, out of everybody here, is like, even though it's a comedy, seems to be taking it the most serious in a funny way? <laughs> in a funny way, yeah. He's yeah. yeah, he's definitely the the standout. The yeah. Because, I mean, and what I mean by that is, is the fact that 
out of all the people in here, he feels like he's actually playing a character. He he's not he he's not you know I mean Sheen and Estevez are pretty much Sheen and Estevez. Oh <laughs> yeah yeah I mean but, you can you can tell just the interaction. I mean you have sons. You can look at the interaction and see that's just brothers being brothers. There's not a whole lot of acting going on. Sure, the lines are there and they have their lines memorized. And God, in some of those scenes, it, it the way they sounded, it was like, okay, we're saying these words, mm-hmm. but we're acting. We're, we're not actually acting. This is just yeah. how we are. Um, so there was a, that slight differentiation there, which, again, it worked to a point. Sure. I mean, it wasn't awesome like you would, would get from people actually acting. Right. But it was – it worked. Um, but, yeah, Keith David, there was actual effort and – and there was some actual skill going on. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he, he breaks the fourth wall, that, that old 80s kind of Ferris Bueller thing, doesn't he, Glenn? <laughs> He's got one of the better moments, and he, he even breaks the fourth wall at one point, yeah. uh, Keith David does. But he's still in character the whole time. Did you feel that he, at least out of everyone else, was actually trying to play a character? Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, I'd, I'd say that the hitmen were playing characters as well, but I, mm-hmm. I think that Keith David, far and away, did a better job than anyone else in the movie. Yeah, it, it did. It, it just felt like he was more into it and not just there uh, because he was asked to be there. Um, you know, not saying that everyone else did did poorly because I think everybody does good for the type of film they have. And uh, our villain is kind of the basic villain. What you say, Scott? With complete with slick back hair. What is it with '90s villains and slick back hair, or late '80s, early '90s? Scott, the, weird can, can, is, the, the weird thing is that you had is that the, all the villains in the uh, '80s and early '90s had slick back hair and were like yuppie uh, businessmen who looked like they had a really bad coke habit. Uh, and yeah. They were always put in the movies, movies that were undoubtedly bankrolled by people with slick back hair, were yuppie CEOs, and most of them had a really bad coke habit. Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of like that old that old chestnut whenever you see a movie about people who get out of the big city to live in the country and, and live off the land. Like, yeah, written by people who were in the fucking city. <laughs> you know? It's like, you know, it's that kind of like passive-aggressive, you know, th- way of casting villains and stuff like they did. And you could see it in everybody from uh, you know the villains in like you know the like the uh, God what's Dark, his face Dark Man had it Dark Man had it uh, I mean like oh well even and even secondary villains like um, uh, Ellis from Die Hard there yeah. I mean <laughs> you know I was somebody I always always thought and I had to actually double check to make sure that you know John Getz didn't play Ellis because. You know, <laughs> It's a possibility, you know. You know, you, know. You, you you look like okay. Was it? You know, let's see. Okay, let's let's take our our look of you know, eighties, nineties assholes. We got John Getz. We got William Atherton. Let's see who else we got. You know? <laughs> <laughs> see, there you go. There's my idea for the next uh, Expendables type film, Andrew. We just gather all the guys who played iconic assholes during the eighties, and they could be in the movie, and we'll just call it assholes. What do you think? <laughs> they could be the cast of the um, the human butterfly, or what was it, the human caterpillar? The- yeah! 
<laughs> it was the, the very hungry caterpillar. I think is what you're going for. No, <laughs> no the human caterpillar from human from a human centipede three. The, the human caterpillar. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, it's a fun comedy. Uh, some people expect more, some less. Uh, we won't waste too much more time on it. Uh, I found I wanted to cover it one because I thought it matched well with our next film. Plus, I just remember watching this film so much. Uh, when it came out, usually because it was on cable, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll watch it, because it was fun for all the one-liners and some of the scenes. You don't really watch it for the overall arcing story, because it really <laughs> isn't much. No, you watch it for the specific scenes, or you wait for the specific lines, namely with Keith David. Uh, you, you wait for those, you know, it's almost like watching a sketch comedy. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have this on a tape. Remember in the old days, you'd record at the slow rate and you'd get three movies on a tape. Sure. I had this with Young Guns 2 and Marked for Death. Oh, and God. I must have seen this, I, I shit you not, probably two or three hundred times maybe. <laughs> it's, an, it's an Emilio and Keith David film festival then. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. I didn't even it think is. of that. You're going to feature that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you could toss it on a DVD and sell it for three bucks at a local store. <laughs> this concludes part one of our special two-part 25th anniversary special for The Spoiler Room. Make sure you check out part two where we talk about Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Also check out all the other great episodes we have here on The Spoiler Room at specialmarkproductions.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio.